Hello! Welcome to the 13th episode of the Science Basement Podcast. And it's summer! No, it's spring. It's spring. Yeah. But at least it's sunny. It's very so. sunny lately and I'm so happy. Yeah. I like how most of our introductions to each episode has been weather, weather small what? talk about weather, very well, finished thing to yeah. do. Well, when it's rainy and cold and dark, then you get a bit of sun, you get excited. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and uh, this weekend was Vapu, which is a Finnish, um, well, you know, May Day, but it's a very Finnish uh, holiday. Yeah, yeah, where officially summer starts. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was <laughs> rainy, but anyway. Or at least the summer days. It's a student, so. student, uh, student day. Yeah. Uh, let's go straight to our guest. This time we have another international guest, meaning that uh, she's not based uh, in Finland at the moment. And our guest is Minna Müllus, who is a postdoctoral researcher at the CNRS lab. And the institution is called LPC2E, which means, and now pardon my French, um, Laboratoire de Physique et Chimie de l'Environnement et de l'Espace. I hope that's correct. And yeah, this lab is based in Orléans or Old Orleans <laughs> in France. So welcome, Inna. Thank you. <laughs> and um, so what you work uh, is uh, you work with Rosetta Plasma Data from the Rosetta spacecraft to study the plasma environment around the famous comet 67P. And yeah, I'm not sure I can pronounce the other names, but uh, Churyumonov Gerasimenko. Yes, that's right. So yeah, this uh, the name of this Ukrainian scientist is a bit complicated. Oh, but this is just one person? Uh, no, it's actually it's, two yeah. different persons. Okay. Yeah. And one is a female, just wanted to say. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah but um, before we actually uh, start, I should say that uh, I'm quite sad that um, the mission was delayed because at first they were planning to have a uh, the mission to a comet called 46P Virtanen. Oh, so oh. it's named after an American scientist, but I don't know the, the origin of the name of this uh, scientist, but Virtanen is actually the most common uh, Finnish last name. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it would be much uh, easier to have a presentation if the name, uh, name of the comet would have been Virtanen. <laughs> <laughs> That's really true. Yeah, at least for us, it would have been much easier to pronounce. Um, so let's start with some questions. So um, do you want to uh, talk to us about the Rosetta mission? Yeah, so uh, well, maybe at first we could have a short summary. So what is this mission and why it's special? So basically Rosetta was uh, ESA, so European Space Agency's uh, mission to a comet. So it was the first time when the co- uh, some spacecraft was actually uh, orbiting a comet. And um, it was launched in 2004 and it took almost 10 years uh, when the spacecraft was actually traveling uh, to the comet and before it had the rendezvous with the comet in uh, 2014. And they, unfortunately, the mission has already ended because the spacecraft was uh, destroyed in September 2016. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the goal of the mission was, of course, to study this uh, comet and especially, like, um, I mean, the structure of the comet, of the composition of the comet, and also to have a better understanding how this. Uh, 
comet Oricoma and also the plasma environment uh, near the comet uh, uh, is formed and how it's developed when the distance from the Sun is uh, changing and varying. And also this uh, spacecraft is the very first one that uh, successfully landed uh, a module on a comet, right? Yeah, that's tr true. So basically the spacecraft consists of, uh, I mean, there was the main uh, spacecraft with, uh, called Rosetta and then it was also carrying a smaller one, a lander called Philae. And the Philae actually managed to land to the comet, which is uh, super great because the comet is it's, it's a tiny object. <laughs> Yeah, the largest dimension is only like four kilometers, so it's kind of an fascinating that we actually managed. I think it's fascinating that we uh, actually observe this kind of an object when we are on ground, but it's even more fascinating that we actually are able to land yeah. to this tiny yeah. object. Yeah, yeah, very fascinating. And also we, we are taking uh, the picture for, the cover picture for this episode with us, little cartoon made uh, cartoon of Rosetta. So if you want to see little Rosetta and Philip, look at the cover of this episode. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, actually, I mean, this paper model is actually a pretty good one because uh, basically the Rosetta is this kind of an, um, like almost like a square box. Mm -hmm. It's like the spacecraft itself is around like, uh, I mean, the dimensions are like two meters and then it uh, has these uh, long wings, <laughs> which are also called, uh, you know, a solar <laughs> panels. <laughs> yeah, giving uh, the energy uh, which is needed for the for the instruments and for the um, for, to do to all the experiments. <laughs> uh, do you want to tell us something about plasma? So, because the comet is uh, looking at the plasma environment. Uh, I'm sorry, Rosetta is looking at the plasma environment around the comet. So, can you tell us about yes, the plasma? Yes. Sir, so of course at first I have to say that uh, the Rosetta is not, uh, it wasn't actually a plasma mission, I mean in this kind of a, a traditional sense because I mean it was more like a cometary mission, so they were like more interested of you know the composition of the comet and the comet itself, but it was also carrying uh, plasma in instruments uh, that were designed uh, to actually to get a better understanding of this um, induced magnetosphere around the comet and because I'm a space plasma physicist so of course I'm focused on these uh, plasma aspects of the comets. So, so basically a plasma is like, it, well it is said that it's the fourth state of matter so it's basically um, ionized gas. So it's uh, basically consists of neutral particles but it also have uh, um, charged particles and the plasma is also said that it's kind of a quasi-neutral, so it basically means that it has an uh, almost equal amount of the negative and the positive uh, charges. And then, uh, I mean, if you only have like uh, one or two negative charges and positive charges, it's still not a plasma, so um, we need to have an enough particles so that the plasma also has a, a certain kind of an... Um, um, macroscopic uh, behavior before we can actually say that that's a plasma. So there are a certain kind of definitions which it needs to fulfill. Mm -hmm. Like what kind of macroscopic behavior? Uh, so basically the plasmas are kind of, um, for example, they are behaving a little bit like, uh, like a fluids actually. I mean, even though it's ionized gas, but it actually, in a way, it behaves uh, quite similarly than uh, fluids. So that's why we have a 
for example, well, liquids you can study with the hydrodynamics, but uh, we, we can study a plasmas if we consider it as a one fluid. Uh, um, then we can say that we are studying it with a magnet or hydrodynamics. Which is hydrodynamics with magnetic fields. Yeah, yeah. So it's basically hydrodynamics, but it just uh, uh, also has uh, magnetic fields and electric fields because those are very important for the behavior of the plasma. Okay. And this is also something that the Rosetta mission was looking at, no? Uh, yes, so basically uh, because, uh, you, you know, the comet is uh, on, on space and uh, when it's still, uh, well, the comet has a different kind of an activity phases. So when it's still uh, very far away from the comet, uh, it's basically just a solid object. Mostly uh, uh, from the sun, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, I mean, yeah, when it's still far away from the sun, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, basically a solid object, uh, so it's mostly uh, it's an icy, icy object, and the surface temperature is quite low. But uh, when it starts reaching the sun, uh, it will face more of the sun heating, I mean the sun radiation, and the surface temperature is starting to rise. And it also means that um, the surface layers of the comet and the volatiles, they get sublimate. And which means that we start having an atmosphere around the comet. So sublimate means basically it's a phase transition. So when the material goes directly from solid state uh, to a um, gas state. And uh, so in this way, this uh, gas, uh, I mean, uh, atmosphere is, uh, which is also called coma, is kind of formed around the comet. And uh, of course, uh, this um, uh, coma is constantly interacting with the solar wind, uh, which is also a plasma, which is originating from the sun. And the solar wind also is affecting to, to our planet, to Earth uh, also. And so, but it also affects this cometary atmosphere. Uh, and these uh, particles may get uh, ionized uh, due to the solar uh, UV uh, radiation. And because they get ionized, uh, uh, an ionosphere is also created around the comet. So that's why we also have a, a plasma around the comet. So actually the, the cometary environment is quite complex because uh, we have uh, these particles, um, these neutral particles that are coming from the comet itself, and then they get ionized. So there are basically, uh, when they, because um, uh, the cometary atmosphere mostly consists of uh, water molecules. There are also some CO2. Uh, so when they get ionized, we basically have a very high, I mean, uh, heavy ions around the comets and we all with some cometary origin and then we have the electrons. But then we also have, of course, the solar wind, which is constantly uh, interacting with the cometary environment. So we also have the solar wind uh, particles and plasma near the comet. So that makes it super fascinating, at least I think so. Uh, and uh, the coma, so this tail of the comet, it's always facing the other side of the, compared to the sun. Uh, yes. Yeah, so because it's, the, yeah, the moment, the movement of the comet towards the sun is, is, uh, yeah. So you are now, um, I think you are meaning now the dust, uh, Coma. So basically, I mean, uh, when we are talking about these tails, so the comet may have uh, uh, several tails. Normally, they have two tails. So the other one is the so-called uh, dust uh, tail, uh, and because this dust particle is quite, uh, they are quite heavy, and so they experience the 
solar gravitation and also the radiation uh, uh, pressure and basically those uh, are the ones that uh, affect uh, today uh, behavior and this uh, dust uh, uh, tail is basically uh, following the the comet's orbital motions mm -hmm. so so it's not uh, pointing directly away from the, I mean, radially away from the sun, but it's more like uh, showing where the comet is actually yeah. coming yes, from. Yes, exactly. That's what I meant. Yeah, and then the, the, the other tail, which is, I mean, normally when we see a pictures of a comet, we actually see this dust tail because it's uh, much easier to take a, a photo of it because the dust can reflect light. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, the, then there is another tail, which <laughs> is maybe more interesting for me because it is the so-called iron tail so that is basically uh, formed um, because i mean uh, formed by this uh, ionized uh, particles so those ions that are following uh, the magnetic field lines so this tail is then pointing radially away from the sun oh okay which is really interesting because of course here we have when something moves you have you know the air and mm -hmm. that's blowing your wind, your hair or so on. But it's so beautiful to imagine a comet that, of course, in space you have uh, different forces or... Yeah, but yeah, for the for the dust tail it's basically the same principle of like blowing your hair and it goes... Yeah. Okay. But then you have this... But, but yeah, yeah, the forces or the pressure which affects those particles are maybe slightly different than in mm -hmm. the case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> when your hair is moving with the wind, so... Yeah. Yeah. But, but the principle is exactly the same. Yeah. But yeah, I, I knew about the two tails, the dust one and the iron one, but I thought that their angular like separation was much smaller than like radial, completely radial from the sun and and, and following the comet's path. Yeah, it's but really but uh, yeah, but of course, I mean, uh, you know, the direction of the iron tail it's constantly changing. I mean, like I mean, depending on which uh, uh, point of the orbit. point of the orbit yeah. the comet is. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So in a comet, you have. You were talking about the coma, which is the sort of atmosphere of the of the comet. Then you have a nucleus, which is um, the solid part. Yeah, then yeah, that's right. So the nucleus is the actual comet. Mm -hmm. So it's the solid, uh, the particle, and it's just because of this interaction with with the, uh, with the sun. Um, I mean, heating. It's that basically the thing what causes this coma around uh, the comet. But uh, when we, yeah. So it's normally it is say that the coma I mean the comet consists of the of the actual nucleus of the solid part and then the coma around it. Okay, but still, even if the comet has uh, a solid an actual solid part, it's uh, very its density is very very low, right? I I think that it can even uh, if we put it in water, it can even float in, in water. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I I actually have to say that. Uh, I'm not so familiar with the actual structure of the comet itself because I'm mostly interested yeah, yeah. of the of the plasma environment. But uh, that's uh, also the knowledge what I have that uh, it's not uh, it's not very dense. Yeah. yeah. And a really basic question because when I was thinking about comets and then you think of asteroids mm. as well and like what is the difference? And you mentioned the distance from the sun of the comet. Okay, that's a very good question and uh, actually it's not so simple to give an answer for that. But uh, because uh, I mean. Uh, the difference between the comet and the asteroid it's it's not always that clear but uh, so maybe we should at first start with what is common with the asteroid and the comet so basically the both are celestial bodies that are orbiting the sun and both of them can have a very unusual orbits 
and uh, the boat ones are also so-called leftovers from the, I mean, when this whole solar system was warmed. But uh, the differences between them are mostly related to their composition. So uh, the asteroids are mostly composed by metals and rocky materials. And the comets are mostly an icy and a dusty uh, object, and they also have some organic compounds, but they also have uh, some rocky materials. And um, yeah, and maybe the biggest uh, difference is the fact that these comets are outgassing, so it means that um, the, uh, the uppermost uh, surface uh, of the comets, I mean, the volatiles get sublimated and they create this coma, which the asteroids do not have. But uh, as far as I know, there are some uh, asteroids in the asteroid belt that are behaving a little bit like the comets. And uh, if there are comets which are, have a very short uh, orbit, uh, I mean the orbital period, so uh, it, and when the, uh, the material that get, gets sublimated, when it's kind of a start uh, running out, uh, then they can start looking I mean, to, to being kind of like an asteroid, so that uh, that makes the separation between the comet and asteroids uh, quite, uh, you know, a, a little bit difficult. Uh -huh. But <laughs> okay. And um, also, uh, where 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 do comets get their region? Where are they born? That is a good question. So I think uh, we don't. Uh, they are for I mean they are very old and a primitive object in our solar system, so they were created uh, much before our planets. So uh, I have to say that I'm not so familiar uh, I mean, about them. I mean how they are exactly created, but I know that they have been created uh, much before. I mean when our whole solar system was uh, created. created. Yeah, but it's. A bit like the Kuiper Belt object, so the, where the Kuiper Belt is this belt of uh, asteroid-like objects uh, af after Pluto, and I believe that the but we we okay we have observed and we are actually going to have a rendezvous with uh, an object of the Kuiper Belt in the on the first January of two thousand nineteen with New Horizons, but uh, we have never seen the place where the comets are uh, supposed to be born, which would be the Oort cloud yeah i think so <laughs> which should be outside of the solar of, of the solar bubble it, it, it sounds so. like that uh, you are very um, familiar with this <laughs> formation of the comets much more than i am. And i have to say again that it sounds so nice like the place where the comets are born and it's very literally yeah. yeah because there was this uh, i believe that Oort was the from the netherlands uh researcher and so the the name is uh, given uh, from him and of this cloud outside of our of the bubble created by the sun and the solar system where all the comets are but obviously we uh, haven't right, visited yeah. there so yeah. it's yeah yeah but this is a, yeah, a very interesting uh, question because i mean uh, it's kind of said that uh, the comets are very old so they should have a kind of an kept record uh, of mm -hmm. this uh, uh, fundamental physical and chemical processes mm -hmm. that were present uh, when our solar system was formed and that's kind of a motivation to actually study mm -hmm. the comets uh, to also understand the formation of our solar system, you know, much better. 
And one of the things uh, that we want to understand also is where water from Earth comes from, right? Yeah, that's, comets, uh, yeah that's true. So there are some theories that uh, the water which, which we have in the oceans, uh, on, on, I mean at Earth, uh, that it would have uh, come from uh, comets. And uh, also the Rosetta mission was, of course, uh, you know, trying to uh, address this uh, question. And as far as I know, they uh, kind of um, added some fuel to the debate uh, whether this is uh, correct or not. Uh, so they didn't give any uh, uh, ex exact answers, but uh, but they noticed that this uh, water uh, is not exactly the same as it's in on on Earth. So that's why uh, uh, there is a possibility that this theory is not exactly a correct, but we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why we need more comet missions. Yeah. Or maybe water came by magic. Yeah, it was just magic. Yeah. It just happened. <laughs> okay, let's go back to be serious. Uh, and you work in the Rosetta Plasma Consortium, right? Yeah, so... Well, what is that? Uh, so the Rosetta Plasma Consortium, uh, it's basically consists of five instruments that were carried on board on the Rosetta spacecraft. And those instruments are designed, to, I mean, we are designed to, to study uh, the plasma environment around the comet. So um, I'm working in one of those uh, PI teams. So uh, unfortunately, I joined the team uh, when the mission had already ended <laughs> because uh, yeah I defended my thesis on like uh, last uh, September so I started to work with the uh, Rosetta mission on uh, on October 2017 17. Yeah. okay <laughs> I, I was almost saying 19 I mean like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you don't I'm, I'm losing the, the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah when, you do too, when you do so much science that you don't know what year it is yeah. anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah I but, know that feeling. Yeah, but anyway, um, so at, at the moment, I mean, uh, because the mission is not ongoing anymore, so basically what is uh, what is still ongoing is the, is the calibration of the data and also to trying to make the data so that you can uh, put it on the archive and make it public. And also that process is almost done. So the, the all uh, data for the Rosetta Plasma Consortium should be uh, public uh, soon. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I'm working in one of those uh, PI teams. So in Orléans, so the, the team had one instrument uh, on board. So it was called the Mutual Impedance Probe. So this uh, instrument is designed to, to measure the plasma density and the temperature and this kind of a similar kind of an mutual impedance uh, experiments are also going to be carried by uh, Pepe Colombo, which is the the next ESA's big mission to, to Mercury. I mean, it's, it's the ESA's first mission to Mercury, which is hopefully going to be launched this year. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also going to be carried by uh, Jews. So it's going to be a, di a completely different instrument, but it's a similar kind of an experiment. And then after the database, then there is only the science to, to do. Exactly. And like, but then that's going to be a lot of science to do for many years. Yeah, let's uh, let's hope so. So basically, this should be the best uh, phase for the science because, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, now we uh, have a calibrated data. We should, uh, the teams have uh, done all the difficult job to kind of understand mm -hmm. uh, the limitations of the data and so on. So 
So now it's uh, time for science. Now it's time for, <laughs> now it's time for the fun. Awesome. So my, my, my question that I've been asking uh, guests lately, what does your day look like when you go to work? Now oh. that you will have the data. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so I'm not actually participating in the calibration stuff. So, <laughs> so but anyway, so my uh, day looks, um, well, it's kind of a boring maybe. <laughs> I go to work and then I open my laptop, I read my emails. And uh, yeah, for some reason I cannot start working if I don't have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. <laughs> we understand. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's the most important routine what I have every day. And uh, well, then I have a different kind of a task. So for example, I may, sometimes I may need to get some more information. So I may need to study and uh, read some uh, papers. And then of course I have some coding uh, to do, uh, you know, some programming. And uh, then I also have a meetings with, uh, uh, with my team and also I have a Skype meetings and things like that. So uh, I would say that my normal day is kind of a, some kind of a combination of these kind of an accents. <laughs> but what, and how about your data? What, what kind of data are you looking at? What, what is it in front of you? What is it? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So basically I'm using the data from these uh, Rosetta Plasma Consortium uh, instruments. So uh, basically what we have, we have, for example, of measurements of, uh, of the plasma density, of the plasma temperature, then we can have a, a measurements like uh, a 3D distributions of the ions uh, near the comet, and then also distribution of the electrons uh, near the comet. Then we also, I already, I think I said the magnetic field uh, uh, and things like that. So basically, what I do is that uh, uh, I'm kind of a, I have some research questions, and then I'm trying to find a way how I could uh, study or prove this, uh, if I have, for example, some hypothesis, so how I could use the data to prove this hypothesis. So that's why um, quite a huge part of my work is actually just to kind of uh, to, to formalize the question so that uh, you can actually uh, study it with those data sources mm -hmm. that you have. And then when you kind of have already figured out, so okay, I could maybe look at these kind of things from the data. So then it's mostly like just the programming and getting the data to such a format that it's easy to plot figures and <laughs> nice stuff. Yeah. Just like one really quick question. So you look at the plasma and you look at the solar wind interaction with the comets, comma. Yes, so basically I look at, the, basically the solar wind interacts with the cometary plasma. And how is that different or new or what kind of information can you get from there that you wouldn't get from the solar wind interaction with some Earth's atmosphere? Uh, that's a good question. So basically um, uh, the Earth actually has an internal magnetic field. And so that kind of makes this uh, system completely different. Uh, so because... Uh, the comet does not have, uh, it, it, this was actually also one uh, goal of the mission to actually measure whether the comet has an internal magnetic field or some remnant magnetic field, it didn't have any. So in, uh, that's why, I mean, um, when the comet comes nearer to the sun and also more and more particles, uh, I mean, nuclear particles are kind of an outcasting and then they get ionized so that uh, the plasma environment gets stronger and it has a stronger impact with the solar wind. So, 
at the end, uh, a so-called induced magnetosphere is uh, created. And we don't have a such an induced magnetosphere around Earth because Earth has this internal magnetic field. So basically, uh, in, the, in the case of Earth, the magnetis magnetosphere is uh, formed um, Basically, uh, I mean, we have formed from this internal magnetic field, which is uh, then just reshaped uh, because of the of the solar wind. Okay. I have a last question now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. Last to last, super last. Uh, do you expect if we go to another comet at some point, do you expect to have a similar environment, a similar composition and similar uh, solar wind? comet plasma interaction or do you expect, I mean, could it be possible that there is something completely different? Oh, uh, this is actually easy question to answer. I, the, I mean, the, all the comments are slightly different. I mean, we already know that, for example, Haley was different than 67P Suruimo Kerasime. <laughs> I mean, there are some similarities, but there are also differences. So, so yes, I, I expect that there are going to be some uh, different... So <laughs> we have to so. hope that there will be another cometary mission very soon? Yeah, let's hope so. Maybe to this Virtan and I'm... <laughs> 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 I, let's I, go I, to the Finnish <laughs> name comment. Yeah, I want to have a rendezvous with Virtan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. If you if you need if you need somebody to join to join the team for when you make the proposal, call me. Come me in for going okay, to, good to know, good to know. We will visit the <laughs> rendezvous with Birtanen. Awesome. But now as uh, your data for Rosetta is almost ready, so it's uh, kind of just time for the fun. It's time for the fun also in our episode because now it's time for Sightagery. What are the uh, what are the categories, Stephanie? So the five categories for today, we have our um, things that orbit the sun, the first one. The second one is things to enjoy in France because of our guest's location. Um, the third is how to lose data in space. So that'll be interesting. Um, the fourth is things that have water because of the comet. And the last one is things to pack when you move abroad for a postdoc, which is something actually it's very common that we have to do. In yeah, science. in fact, yeah, in fact, Nina, you you graduated, you got your PhD from the University of Helsinki, right? From from here, but but then you you, you moved away for your yeah, that's postdoc. true. So this is basically my first postdoc. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So if uh, you can. Yeah, so now Minna will uh, generate a random letter we and then we will have two minutes oh, to fill. It's X! Guys, oh. I was explaining what to do! Okay, okay we got the letter X, so basically now we have two minutes to fill. No, now we need to do this again. <laughs> I'm sorry, but yeah, no, unfortunately we have to go with that. Why didn't you. Why did you got X? Well, anyway, okay. It was a punishment because I didn't let you to explain it. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, this is the first round of three, so yeah. Uh, timer starting in three, two, one. What is the timer? Yeah, now. Things that orbit the sun with X. Okay, let's go to things to enjoy in France. <laughs> with X. Xavier. Isn't there some word in French that starts with X? No, I'm just trying to think maybe there's some food. I mean, <laughs> there must be yeah, food which starts every letter. How to lose data and space. X-rays. 
bombard Explo- bo- ex- x-rays being like really cruel and and, and destroying, destroying your, your detector yeah that's x-ray destroying good. yeah I don't know if it, that's even possible, but let's say they things that have water with X. X. Oh my gosh, Psy, Xi. Oh, oh no! I mean, <laughs> this is too hard. Things to pack when you move abroad for a postdoc with X. A xylophone. What? <laughs> <laughs> is it? Okay. 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 Well, uh, I think I'm still uh, missing that one. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't pack one. <laughs> Well, I mean, definitely, if you are a xylophone player, then then you definitely need one for your Oh, uh, Then we still have uh, three more categories left. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, there must be some some like there, yeah, some asteroid that, that orbits the sun that starts with S. Oh, X. maybe some. Uh, there have been maybe some satellite. Yeah, but, but then they don't orbit. I mean, most I of mean, them yeah, don't yeah, orbit. I mean, yeah, but I mean, if they are orbiting something that is orbiting <laughs> sun, <laughs> then it's orbiting also sun. <laughs> that's yeah, true. that's true. <laughs> That's true. X. <laughs> uh, let me think of. Is there any X-ray, X-ray mission which would? X-ray mission. Uh, X-ray have... detector. X-ray. No, I, think... I mean X-ray detector. I mean. I mean, I know, I know. I mean, I know the name of one instrument that starts with X. Okay. And that's XRT, X-ray telescope on board Hinode. Oh. There. Yeah. I was saying on board Hinode, which is uh, a satellite that orbits Earth, but. <laughs> Looks at the sun in X-ray, but looks at the sun. Yeah. So technically, yeah, the is, camera is, we know that is it's orbiting the sun. Orbiting the yeah, sun. Yeah, sure. Okay, so yeah, it's XRT. We got it. Okay, I don't have to. Uh, yeah, we well, we had two categories left, but hey, it was X, and yeah. we did great. Yeah. I yeah. think. <laughs> okay. <stuck> sun. <laughs> Let's use the, the second letter. Mina, please have mental internet. Let's have a better one. Why? <laughs> what are you doing, Mina? Why are you X, Y, and the next one will be Z, of course. Yes. Why are you sabotaging this game? <laughs> I, I don't know, I mean. <laughs> I like in... challenges. <laughs> Time having 3, 2, 1, no. Orbiting the sun with Y. Oh. Now it's the perfect time for the cricket. Things to enjoy in France. Ile de France. No, that's with I, right? Oh, there, there must be something <laughs> with Y. Uh. Because the, uh, the Ile de France is with I, right? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, that's My, true. my yeah, French is fine. Okay, uh, how to lose that and space. Yves Saint Laurent, does that count? What? <laughs> it's a brand. Yves Saint Laurent. <laughs> <laughs> how uh, to lose data and space. Oh, that's difficult. I mean... Uh, how, can, how could you do that to us with this? <laughs> Things that have water. No, I'm looking stupid. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Things that have water with Y. I'm so confused with languages right now. I can only think about stuff in Finnish. Okay. But, let's... Yeah, but I'm pretty sure you uh, <laughs> you don't have anything. Oh. Uh... Yellowstone that... Park. <laughs> Yes, oh, water. Yes, that's yes. great. Go I mean, yeah. Yellowstone Park. Oh my, yeah. This is like really uh, stretching it, but whatever. Stretching very well, but it's stretching very well. And things to move, things to pack when you move abroad. Yellow clothes. <laughs> Yellow umbrella. Yellow umbrella. <laughs> yeah, that's better. Let's use yellow for each category. Yeah. Things that orbit the sun. <laughs> Some yellow. Yellow. Object. Yellow objects. <laughs> I have no idea. 
Even J would have been better because there would have been. But Jupiter. I mean, uh, it basically it could be a name. I mean, because we are on Earth and Earth is orbiting Sun. Yes. <laughs> so a yak. You know this animal, yak. Yeah. Okay. It's yak orbiting the sun. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing here? The yaks. It makes sense. Yeah. Himalayan yes. yaks orbiting because the sun. Because remember, kids, Earth is not flat and it's orbiting the sun. Yes. Remember <laughs> that, kids. It's, it's, Oh no! So basically, in France, there is nothing to enjoy. Mina, <laughs> 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 what have you been doing apart from researching this country? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of an embarrassing. But I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm pretty sure I haven't been enjoying it with eggs. <laughs> with and eggs. why? And why? <laughs> okay, let's go for the last one. Let it not be set. Yeah, please don't pick it. Jane! Jane. <laughs> you asked for it. <laughs> oh, uh, 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 well, how did you do that? <laughs> anyway, okay, three, two, one, go. With Jupiter. Ooh, Jupiter. Oh, that was easy, and you went so yeah. fast. Jupiter. Now, things, things to enjoy in France. Okay, things to pack. Jumper. Yay, jumper. Yeah, that was easy. Things that have water. How to lose that in space. Jeopardize the mission. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, things to okay. Mina, so, so okay, now we need one uh, one place to enjoy in France. Yeah, which it's, could be uh, we could starts? start with J. <laughs> no, no. I would think about things that have water with J. J. Oh no. <laughs> Jupiter has eyes. <laughs> um, ja, 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 ja. I'm I'm very bad in this kind of game. <laughs> think think about France. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think about France. <laughs> Don't put France down, okay? We're in this game. Is there no moon that starts with a J and has water or something? No. We can think about also about stuff on Earth, you know. Can yeah. you tell me some uh, name of uh, <laughs> of some? Hey, put put the, put the name put the name of a French person, and that's the thing to enjoy in France. Oh, yes. Jean! <laughs> oh, Jean! Jean Baptiste. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, you know, I live in Orléans, and there is a Jean d'Arc uh, festival going on. Ah! <laughs> oh, great! We found something. And what festival is that? Uh, well, it's because, uh, you know, uh, Jeanne d'Arc uh, kind of liberated uh, the city. You know, it's the, that, woman, <laughs> that woman that... that oh, Jeanne yeah, d'Arc, yes, 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 yes. That, that died. Yeah, yeah, I, yes, yeah, I yeah. probably mispronounced it, so <laughs> now I'm, uh, I will be shamed when I go back. <laughs> that's true. Okay, and so that's, yeah. Jean, so, the Jeanne d'Arc Festival, okay. And, yeah, we still didn't find things that have water, but this... But this Round was kind of the best, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Juniper berries. Aren't there berries called juniper? Yeah, juniper. I'm yeah. sure they have water. Well, too late. Yeah. And also, we could have put also there the name of a guy. Like Even if John, X, like John, senior, like from John, X-Men. John and Jasmine, because we are, we are all made of water as well. Yeah, that's oh. true. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh. We, should, we could have cheated so much in this <laughs> especially like a, a bit like the yak orbiting the sun <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> oh well 
one well yeah that, that went like that but thank you mina for instructing for randomly generating the worst letters ever. And thank you for forcing me to do this and embarrassing us in public. <laughs> nah, it's gonna be fine. Yeah, um, but this thing about moving abroad for the postdoc is, um, I think it's one of the hard things about science that you have to move around, especially if you have a family. It makes it tough too. Yeah. Like who moves? Do you follow? Do you wait? Yeah. Was it was it hard for like was it a hard uh, thing to do or like were you ex- mostly excited about the new place? Uh, I think I was mostly excited because uh, I had prepared myself uh, during the PhD that okay I'm I want to move abroad if I get a chance so it was basically it was kind of a dream mm-hmm. yeah. so in in that sense I mean for me it was quite easy. <laughs> oh, that's good. But now we go on to the anecdote. Yes. Which is about comets. Yay! We are going to talk about the most famous comet of them all, which is Halley's Comet. Uh, which which is dedicated to Edmond Halley, which was a, who was a scientist that lived between uh, 1656 and 1742. Uh, and little uh, pre, prequel of this story is that comets were always uh, seen by the ancients as a sign of catastrophes or like doom incoming. Mm-hmm. And that was the same for all the cultures around the world, like all the ancient ones, like Aztecs and, and in China and, and also in Europe. Uh, it had for all this culture the same uh, catastrophe doom uh, meaning, but what, what changed it was the kind of catastrophe that would have, uh, that these comets were kind of uh, representing. representing or like um, forecasting, yeah. you know. Uh, and actually, the word disaster. Uh, can be divided into this and aster, and that means bad star oh. from ancient Greek, and that's exactly because of the comets uh, oh, that were coming and, and uh, announcing that something d- disaster was arriving. Anyway, let's go back to Edmond Halley. Uh, he uh, wanted to hunt down every single observation of a comet that was recorded in Europe between 1472 and 1698. And that was a really, really, really hard work for that time because he didn't have Control F or Google search. Uh, but he did manage to, to recover all these observations and he, uh, he took them and he tried to derive uh, all the paths of all the comets in, uh, that were observed in, the, in space, so like in the 3D space. Uh, and he did that applying the kind of recently published the Newton's, Newton's laws of motion uh, of classical mechanics, so yeah, how objects move and how forces act on the objects. And also, anecdote inside the anecdote, uh, Ali was uh, of great help in publishing Newton's uh, most famous work, which was the Philosophia Naturalis Principia Mathematica, and he personally knew Newton, so he saw some genius in Newton, uh, and he actually uh, he was both suggesting him and, bo- and funding him to publish uh, his work. So thank you, Hanley, for, for helping in, in uh, proce- science proceeding. Uh, so anyway, w- uh, the most important discoveries was that he discovered that the comets orbit the sun in elliptical orbits, so exactly like planets uh, following ellipses, uh, and also he connected uh, or realized uh, that the comets that were seen in the past in 1531, 1607 and 1682 were the same comet, 
uh, and he calculated that it's going to come back and be visible from Earth every about 76 years. And he could successfully predict its return in 1758 and exactly the path where it was appearing So that uh, in the sky. Uh, so that was a very important thing, especially for uh, those people that were still believing in like, oh yeah, comets are coming just to, uh, to announce disasters. Mm -hmm. Instead, it was like scientifically uh, predicting when it will come. Mm -hmm. And as I said, since Halley died in 1742, unfortunately he couldn't see the comet come back because it came, it came indeed back in 1758, but now it's known as Halley's Comet and mm -hmm. in, in his honor. And announcement, big party, the Halley's Comet is coming back in 2061. So be prepared, guys, because if we're still alive, we're going to party. Yeah. Remember to stay alive. Remember to stay alive. <laughs> Remember to stay alive for this big party. Yeah, so yeah, that was the anecdote. It was very long, sorry. No, that's very cool. And you have some paper to announce. Oh, yes, I forgot the paper to announce. Um, I found this while, while reading about Alice Comet, uh, I found this paper from uh, this journal called Popular Astronomy, published in 1908. That's uh, 110 years ago. Yes, and it's like several pages and like, you know, with like these super, super old pictures, but like uh, figures that are so nice and beautiful. And yeah, the name is uh, The Story of Alice Comet, written by John Candy Dean. And uh, we will put a link in the description box if you are interested in taking a look at it. Very cool. And actually, talking about links and, and stuff to, to put in our description box, uh, Minna, um, since I'm a big satellite nerd and I look at a lot of, uh, I take a look at a lot of uh, missions and, and what satellites discover and, and stuff, and Rosetta is an European if, mission, so I'm very proud of it, uh, I came across uh, this singing comet thing oh yeah that's true so uh it was one of the the first uh, uh, observations that the rosetta plasma consortium made when uh, uh, the rosetta had a rendezvous with the comet that they noticed that the comet is kind of singing uh, which basically means that uh, it's a magnetic field have a uh, this kind of an oscillation so there are some uh, magnetic sound waves uh, and yet a comet. So then some other science nerds on ground. <laughs> I mean, because the, those oscillations, the frequencies are around 40 millihertz, which you actually, if you have a such a sound wave with such a frequency, you cannot actually hear it. So some nerds actually multiplied the frequency by around like 10,000 to make it actually uh, hearable for humans mm -hmm. <laughs> and convert it to a, actually a sound wave and you can then hear how it sounds like when a comet is kind of a it's not really singing I, I would more like say it's a composing a song oh, <laughs> that we are listening it's to. comet gang yeah. comet gang and yeah let's take a listen to that for some seconds It sounds a bit like a cat purring, at least to me. Like it's like it's really cute. No, like a pigeon. Yeah, maybe. 
But that's that's really cool. This and that's song. music from space. Yeah, yeah music it's a from music the by Suryum of Kerasime. <laughs> <laughs> the next hit of this summer, the singing comet from the summer jam. The, the comet, yeah, yeah, the summer space jam. Okay, but Mina, thank you so much. I, I I would definitely stay here talking with you about Rosetta and comets for like the next five hours, but you probably have something more interesting to do. <laughs> For, for, for this evening, since we are recording on a Friday, late afternoon. Yes. Um, so, thank you very much again, and thank you, Stephanie. Thank you so much, Mina, for being here. And thank you for inviting me. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. That's, that, that was really our pleasure to have you here, and safe trip back to yes. France. Thank you. I hope yeah. you keep enjoying all those X's and J's you may find in France. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. See you in two weeks. See you. See you. This science is dead!